The way this morning has been, I was waiting for my iPad not to come on. That would have just been lovely. Um, so this morning we'll be continuing the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll be starting in chapter 3. And before we get to chapter 3, um, because of the verses we're going to look at, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Um, they're a little bit of a summary, um, kind of starting out, going into chapter 3. Um, Paul's going to kind of go back and look at some things he's already mentioned. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of see what all he's got to say for us uh, in chapter 3. But I kind of want to go back and just do a quick run through of where we've been because we've already been through uh, the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians and there's been a lot that's been said. And Paul, again, addressing um, the church at Corinth and really kind of calling them out on some things um, and, and also giving us some understanding about um, wisdom and where that comes from and what that looks like. And so I want to kind of go back and just kind of recap it because, again, I feel like uh, chapter 3 is going to kind of go back and, and reference some of the things that Paul's already talked about. And so I want us to kind of have all that in mind as we move to chapter 3 um, and to look at what Paul says. And so going back in uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 10, looking at verses 10 through 17, um, Paul writes and he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is some quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius and so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. If I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that I do not know whether I baptized anyone for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. And so we kind of see, you know, the first thing Paul really addressed was this division within the church. And the division was caused by people following after man. Um, people were taking pride in maybe um, who they heard the gospel from and, and who they, you know, when they received Christ. Paul taught me, Apollos taught me, whatever it was. Um, so there's this great division in the church. And, and Paul's really kind of calling that out um, and talking about how, you know, not only is it sinful, but it, it takes away from the power of the cross because people are following after man. And we're going to kind of see that when we get into uh, chapter three, he's going to go back to this. And so that's why I wanted you guys to remember um, one of the big problems that he addresses and he addresses it early on in the church um, is this division among the people um, and what the division was. And so though, if we continue on in uh, chapter one, verses 18 through 25, um, he addresses their wisdom, and he says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. <clears throat> Where is the one who wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so again, he was, he was kind of going back and talking about um, not only were they divided over who they were following, but they were even following after human wisdom. And, and basically he's telling them that when wisdom comes from God and, it, and it's not from you. And, and you know, um, and again, we'll kind of look at this a little bit, but you see a people here who um, are acting worldly. They're, they're following after man. They're relying on their own wisdom. They think they know a lot. They think they're higher than they are. And, and Paul, so far in this letter, is having to bring them down a few notches and to make them realize um, you're not as good as you think you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. Um, you're doing all these things wrong that you're bragging about. Um, and so he's addressing that uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, And when I came to you, brothers, um, and went, let me start over. And I, because that comma threw me off. When I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, which I'm not doing right now either. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And here he's just kind of continuing that same thought and even bringing it back to himself. Um, you know, I didn't come bringing great wisdom to you. You know, you don't have great wisdom. I didn't give you great wisdom. Why are you even saying that you follow after me? All wisdom belongs to God. I just came and preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what it took. God did a work in your life. God gave you wisdom. Um, and so he's kind of really trying to re re reroute kind of how they're thinking. Um, kind of what they're looking at and, and kind of what they think about their self. And then he, he continues on in chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. He says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And then in verse 14, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so just kind of in a real quick nutshell, like you can kind of see what Paul's getting at. You have a people here um, who think they're wise, but their wisdom is according to human standards. Um, they're following after man. They're not following after God. They're not seeking God for wisdom. And he's even talking about his speech and what he brought. He didn't bring in his own wisdom. He brought in the wisdom of God. And that people really can't understand the word of God without the spirit of God. And so he, he's, he's showing them the difference between a spiritual person and a worldly person. Between a believer and a non-believer. Um, that God is the one that's at work in all of this. God is at work in the message that Paul brought. God is at work in salvation that these people had. God is at work in wisdom. God is at work with the spirit to give understanding. Um, and so he's really, he's really trying to hone in on that and correct a lot of bad thinking, um, a lot of bad practice in the church of Corinth. And so that kind of brings us to chapter three. And again, he, he, he's kind of going back to some of this, and you'll kind of see that. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 9 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and read that, and then we'll just kind of go through uh, these verses real quick this morning. Uh, verse 1, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. But we are fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And so you can kind of see where he's kind of summing this up, and he's really pointing back to um, the people in the church, church of Corinth and really pointing to their heart. And so we're going to kind of take these verses um, and look at them a little bit. And kind of like I was uh, talking with Sam this morning before service when we met to pray, just kind of running through this uh, really fast, is these verses, I mean, upon reading them, you, you don't hit like a deep theological like subject. Like all of you guys can understand this. Like this is pretty plain language. Um, and so this is going to be a little different. This, this is not an Eric sermon. I'm not going to dive deep and you're going to be like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, because we do that every week, right? Um, but this is going to be hopefully very practical and, and something that you can take and really um, take a hard look at yourself. Because as Paul's addressing the church at Corinth, he's also addressing us. That's why it's in Scripture. Um, it wouldn't be here if it wasn't meant for us. And so as we go through this, um, you really need to, to take this verse as if Paul wrote the letter to us. And he's saying, you're doing these things, or are you doing these things? And we really need to take this hard look inward um, as we go through this. And so starting out in verse 1, um, Paul says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh and infants in Christ. And I kind of made a joke when we were figuring up our uh, preaching schedule that, um, like, Hey, Eric takes off and leaves me to call you guys spiritual babies. So you're a bunch of babies. Um, there you go. I said it. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of bad joke, I guess. Um, but that's kind of that's what Paul's saying to the church of Corinth. He's like, you guys are acting like a bunch of babies. And in the spirit, that's what you are. You're a bunch of babies. I can't address you as an adult. I have to address you as a baby. And, and you know, kind of think about that and... Um, you know, a lot of you guys have babies. A lot of us have had babies. Um, how do you address a baby? Like, do you ever think about the way you talk to a baby? You sound kind of silly, right? You, you do kind of the weird jabber and, you know, you don't talk to an adult that way. If you did, they think you were crazy. You know, we talk to a baby different. Um, we address them because they don't understand what we're saying. And, and that's kind of what Paul is, is telling the, the church at Corinth. He's like, I have to address you like a bunch of babies. You know, he's like in their face, like, oh, no, no, you know. Um, this is the way I have to talk to you because you can't understand adult conversation. I, I can't bring that to you because this is where you are spiritually. 
Um, and so he rebukes them for that. He rebukes them for um, still being this spiritual infant. And he, he kind of he really cuts to the heart because he says that um, I, I, can't, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. And so, again, he kind of went back to that, what he just talked about, how the natural person doesn't accept the things of God. He's bringing this, this home about the Spirit of God has to be at work in you to understand because the lost world don't understand. The lost world thinks it's folly. This is what, this is what people of the flesh do. And then he, he says, I have to address you that way. Almost like it makes you kind of stand back and think, man, am I even saved? Um, but then he says, you know, as infants in Christ. So he does reassure them. Yeah, I do believe um, that you guys are truly believers. But you're acting just like the lost world. You're acting just like an unbeliever. You're still a baby. You, you haven't gone anywhere. Like, like Paul was there. Apollos was there. They were teaching. And now these people have, it's almost like they've learned nothing. It's almost like all the work that Paul and Apollos did it got them nowhere because they were still spiritually babies. They, they hadn't take, taken that and grown. Um, and, and this is what Paul's talking about. He says, I have to address you this way because this is where I find you. Um, and then verses uh, two and then the first part of verse three says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for you're still the flesh. And so here again, he's addressing them as Babies. He says, uh, I have to address you as a baby. I have to give you milk because that's what babies take. They, they can't eat food. Um, you can't feed a baby a steak. Hopefully you guys hadn't tried that, but you can't do it. Like they cannot eat that. They'll, they'll even reject it because it's like, I don't know what that is. Um, you have to give a baby milk. That's all they can handle. And Paul is saying, this is what I had to give you guys. I had to give you milk. Because you couldn't handle real food. You couldn't handle the meat. And so what in the world is he even talking about? Um, I read a few um, thoughts on this. And I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 5. This is probably the only, one of the only places, not the only place. One of the only places we'll leave out of, out of Corinthians. So if you will, turn to Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11. Because I think this kind of gives us a good understanding. And I, and I really believe that this kind of goes back to, and it ties into what Paul's talking about. Um, I think we can correlate these two things um, and hopefully give us a better understanding of what he's talking about. Hebrews 5, uh, starting in verse 11. This is after the, the whole teaching about the, the priesthood of Melchizedek and all that stuff. Um, so it's kind of some really, man, it's some weird stuff. Um, verse 11 says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so here we kind of have this reference to 
people taking milk or, and not solid food and kind of what does that look like? And, and if we look at the, what Hebrews has to say about it, um, if you go back to verse 13, it says, Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he's a child, but solid food for the mature, who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so it kind of points to not really what you know, but what you do. And, and sometimes I think, you know, when we think about spiritual maturity, we think about knowledge. What do I know? How much, how much have I read the Bible? How much have I studied the Bible? How much of the Bible do I know? Which is a good thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, studying the Bible, like, there's never a time when you shouldn't study the Bible. You're always going to learn something. Um, but is that spiritual maturity? That's just knowledge. You know, and, and like Eric mentioned, even the lost world can study the Word of God. Like, they can study it for knowledge. So what's the difference? It, it says they're unskilled in the Word of righteousness since he's a child. The mature have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. And so I would have to think by looking at Hebrews, what does it mean to be mature? What does it mean to be able to take meat and not milk? And it's, it's not just learning the word, but it's doing the word. Has the word affected your heart? Has the word affected your life? Do you do the things you read? You know, are you a doer of the word or hear only, as James would say? And this is where we find spiritual maturity. This is, you know, we talk about sanctification. What is sanctification? That is spiritual maturity. That is becoming more Christ-like. What does that look like? That looks like your life. That looks like taking the word of God and living it out. That looks like removing sin from your life and increasing in righteousness. That looks like being obedient to the word of God. Putting him first, putting him above all things. All these things, this is what maturity looks like. Um, so when Paul says that, that I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but, but as infants in Christ, it's not that they didn't hear the word, or it's not that they couldn't learn the word, but apparently they weren't doing it. They would hear it, but it went nowhere. And so, you know, when we look at, at our own lives, you know, what does that look like? Because we can teach the Word of God, and, you know, I think we've got one of the better teachers I've ever heard teaching the Word of God. And I'm not talking about me, <laughs> by the way. Um, it's not that we don't get good teaching. It's not that we don't get understanding of the Word of God. So what keeps us from being mature? It's our heart. It's what we do with it. And we can learn in depth what the Word says, but if it never penetrates here, you're going to remain a baby. You're going to remain an infant. You, you can't accept, you can't learn the deeper things of God. You're not pursuing righteousness. You're just pursuing knowledge. And that's where we don't want to find ourselves. But that's where I really believe Paul has found the church in Corinth. In case in point, he goes and he talks about um, why he, he calls them spiritual babies. And we see that in the rest of, of verse 3 and verse 4. 
He says you're for still the flesh. For where there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? And this is what he's addressing. It's not, he, he's not addressing what they knew. He's addressing what they were doing. You guys know better. And he's told them. Man, when you heard the word, it wasn't because I was a great speaker. It's because God was at work. That was his word. He was the one that was explaining it to you. It's by his spirit you have understanding, but you're still acting like a baby. Why? Because you're acting in the flesh and you're following after man. You're not following after God. Um, you're taking pride in something worldly. They were taking pride in the, the one that they followed. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, naturally, like my mind goes to us, right? Um, and we have three elders. Me and Sam and Eric. And so it's almost like addressing you people, and it's like, some of you follow me, and some of you follow Sam, and some of you follow Eric. And then some of you are real spiritual, and you, you say you follow Christ. I mean, how ridiculous is that, right? Like, we would say, I would never do that. I would never follow one of you guys. Like, we're going to follow after God. I mean, that's what we would say, right? But then I was thinking, and, and really... You know the right answer to this. And a lot of times I feel like, you know, when Eric brings up a question, we already know in our mind, okay, I know what their answer is, right? Um, but do we ever take a hard look inward? And it's like, is that a reality for me? Like, I know what I'm supposed to say, but is that what I really believe? Is that really what I would do? And so I was thinking, what if Eric left this church and pastored another church in town? Now, I'm not talking about moving a long way away. I'm talking about he went down the road. And he's teaching there. Would you stay here? Or would you go there? And say, that's hard, right? Because he's a good teacher. He, he gives you the word that you're longing for. But at the same time, are you following him because he's a good teacher? Or are you following him because God's at work in your life? Like, if he leaves, is God going to quit working here? Is God going to quit working in this body? Is he, is he going to quit teaching in this body? And this is where it starts hitting home. Because we can look at the church at Corinth and go, all oh, these people are crazy. But then we look at ourselves and we're like, we're just as crazy. Um, hey, if he leaves, I would love to say, man, I, I'm going to stay here and do everything. I, but reality, I, you know, man, that would hurt. And that would be hard to not go down the road and jump in another church because he's teaching there. But this is exactly what, what they're talking about. You, these people were divided. They were saying, I follow after Paul. I follow after Apollos. Man, if Paul comes back to town and he starts another church in Corinth, I'm going there. Right? <clears throat> it's kind of the same thing. Um, and so, again, it really makes us take a, a hard look inward of are we following after God? Are we following after man? Um, hopefully that will never happen and we won't be tested on that, right? Um, don't expect it to, so I, th I think we're good there. But again, it goes back to our heart. What does your heart look like? And are you growing in maturity or are you following after a human um, who can make mistakes? We can all make mistakes. And so it got me thinking about other things that people chase um, and again, I know you guys are not chasing this, so, you know, don't, don't take it that way. But 
Think about it honestly, like in your heart. What do you consider good worship? Like, what is that, what is that in your mind? And, and you know the right answer, I know. But again, like in your heart, what is good worship? In your heart, what is good preaching? And y'all can say it's not this, right? Um, that's fine. I, I don't care if you say that. But what is it? Like, like, what do you think is good preaching? What do you think is good worship? And, and, and like I say, you, you probably know the right answers. Um, but if we're honest with ourselves, man, good worship is music that I like. I mean, there's some good songs out there that I don't like the melody. I don't like the way that people sing it. I don't like whatever. You know, does that make it not good worship? But what do we follow after? You know, there, there's so many people in our world that, um, man, you ask them if they go to church somewhere, like, yeah, I go over to so-and-so. Like, man, the worship is amazing. Well, what do they mean by that? Do they mean, like, man, the songs we sing are, are theologically deep and rich, and I get so much out of it? Or is it like, man, the band is awesome? They have all the lights that work. <laughs> They've even got colored lights that go on stage and... I mean, what do we call good worship? You know, what do we call good preaching? Is, is it somebody that's um, excited, that runs around, that yells, that doesn't yell, that whatever it is, like, like there's a style you like and a style you don't like. But does that make it good preaching or bad preaching? And, and so you kind of see where I'm going. Like, like there's a lot of things that we think about church that go on in church that, as Paul would say, are you not of the flesh and behave, behaving only in a human way? Are you chasing after your desires? Are you chasing after what you like? Because when we read through chapter 3, or even the first three chapters so far in First Corinthians, we see the church at Corinth, and we see the faults that they have, but we don't see those faults in us. And I think we have to be careful because in our heart, we may have those faults. And how are you going to fix them if you don't recognize they're there? And again, when we talk about being infants in Christ or being mature in Christ, what does that look like? Um, and I think this is some of the things that go toward that. This is some of the things that, that as we mature in Christ, we move beyond personal preference. We move beyond, you know, chairs or pews, um, drums or no drums, you know, preacher wearing a suit, preacher not wearing a suit, KJV, ESV, all these different things. We, we kind of move past that. And we don't take those into consideration of this is the thing I, I chase after, this is the thing I, I see as, as good and this thing is bad. And we start looking at, man, is it true? Is the theology true? Is the theology in the songs true? You know, is the pastor, is he teaching me truth? Because if he is, that's what you need. If he's not, leave. Like, you don't, you don't need to hear a bunch of cool stories and, you know, read a proverb and go home. Like, you need spiritual truth. And why do you need spiritual truth? It's because we have to know how to live. We have to know how to take God's word and live by it and become mature because we understand what the Word of God says. The more we understand the Word of God, the more we know God. 
and the more we can pursue God, the more we love God. It all comes through his word, but again, it all comes back to truth and not just merely chasing after people. Um, so we'll continue on, uh, verse 7. He kind of he kind of plays off of this a little bit. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. <clears throat> so Paul here is explaining to the church at Corinth, these guys that you're following, let me tell you who they are. They're nothing. Who's Apollos? Who's Paul? They're nothing. They're servants. They're servants that God used for a specific purpose. God gave the growth. They didn't. Why are you chasing after them? Why are you chasing after man when all he does is the work of God? You should chase after God. That's all he's saying. Um, we're no different. You know, here at FRC, you know, who am I? Who is Sam? Who is Eric? Servants of God. Just doing the work that God has given us. The work that God has allowed us to do, that's all we're doing. And beyond that, we're nobody. We're just doing what, we're, what God's telling us to do. And look to God. Don't look to us. I mean, that's kind of our, that's our mission. That, that's why we're here. Um, to point you people to Christ. To teach you the word. Not to bring ourselves up on a platform. Not to puff ourselves up. Not to, to divide the church. Um, not there be much of a division, but, you know, that's not the point. Um, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, I've always loved this. Anytime we talk about preachers and teachers, like, what's their job? And, and I really think this is just a great job description. If you ever go to hire a pastor, what are you looking for? You know, we have a laundry list of human wants and needs, but what should you look for? And I, I love Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Since he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness, craftiness, and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, where to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part's working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the job of a, of a preacher, a teacher, the elders. Like, that's the job. That's what Scripture says the job is, is to equip you. We can't grow you. We can't mature you. All we can do is equip you. We'll give you the word of God. God will do the work in your life. He'll be the one that will, will grow you up to mature manhood. He's the one that is going to do all the work. But you've got to submit. You've got to submit to Scripture. You've got to submit to the word of God. Um, you know, 
a lot of you guys, I mean, you're really good parents. But does your kid do everything you tell them to do? No. I mean, even the kids are like, no, <laughs> we don't. Nobody does. It, and it's no different for us. We, we, can, we can give you the word of God, but you can be disobedient. We can't make you accept the word of God. We can't make you grow in the word of God. We can't make you love the word of God. We can't make you live out the word of God. All we can do is give it to you. Just like a parent gives something to their kid, gives them instruction, don't do this, you need to do that. They're going to do whatever. You know, they may be disciplined if they do the wrong thing, but um, it's up to you guys. It's up to you guys to pursue this spiritual maturity and not fall into what the church of Corinth was. People chasing after their own desires. So a couple of thoughts on this. I, I read, um, I don't even remember what commentary I read, and I, I really liked it, though, <clears throat> talking about how we're servants, but God gives the growth. Just like Paul and Apollos, they were servants. Um, the, the commentary I read says they were table servers. And so it makes you think of a restaurant, right? Um, do you guys go out to eat at a restaurant? Server comes up, takes your order. Goes to the kitchen, brings you a plate of food. If the food is really good, do you praise the server or do you praise the one that prepared the food? See, the server just delivered the food. He didn't make the food. Somebody else made the food. Um, think about your water pipes. Are you grateful that you have pipes in your house? Or are you grateful for the water that comes out of the pipes? Like if you had pipes and your meter was turned off, who cares? You can't take a shower. You can't wash clothes. It's, it's the content of the pipe. It's the water. It's not the thing that delivers the water. It's the water itself. That's what, you, that's what you're after. And so it's the same thing with us. Are you grateful to God for what he gives through the means that he delivers it. We're table servers. We're bringing you what God has prepared. We didn't write the word of God. We're not the source of the word of God. That's God's work. All we do is bring it to you. So again, that's what Paul is saying. He's, he's like, don't praise us. All we did was delivered it. We just set the plate on your table. We didn't make the food. Don't give us praise. Give God praise. Give the one who made it praise. Um, Paul and Apollos, they delivered the message. They were not the source of the message. And so that's what we have to keep in mind. So when we, when we think about where our hearts and our loyalties lie, it's not with man because man is just a servant. Man is just the delivery person. The source comes from God. He's the one that we should pursue. He's the one that we should be after. Um, and so, not to demean preachers and teachers to the point of they're worthless, because we all know better than that. Um, they are important. In fact, James uh, 3, 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. There is a judgment coming for teachers. And so we must hold them in high regard. 
but not so high a regard, that's who we follow. So there's a balance in there, right? It's not that, it's not that teachers are meaningless or are to be trampled underfoot. They are to be held in high regard, but they're not the ones that you follow. They're not the source of, of the message that's being taught that belongs to God. Um, he kind of finishes by saying, um, the word God's fellow workers, you're God's field, God's building. And so Paul is just reminding them of who they were. Right? So Paul and Apollos, they worked. Paul planted, Apollos watered. You think of a field, um, think of your little garden or whatever you're growing, right? You put a seed in the ground, a little bit of water on it, but did you make the thing grow? No. You just planted a seed and threw a little water on it. Um, God gave the growth. That's something he created. You didn't create growth. God created growth. Um, same thing with the word. You know, we deliver the word. One plants, one waters. God gives the growth. We're just the messengers. Um, and so I, I feel like it's really important um, that we keep in mind what the main focus should be, where our main focus should be. Um, what, what is a teacher? What is a preacher? What are they not? You know, let, let's, let's have a proper view of that. Um, and as we work into our spiritual maturity, we keep focus on the one that gives growth, which is God, and not on us as servants. Um, God's the one that we should follow. <clears throat> one more thing about teachers. Um, he says that they'll receive uh, their the reward. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says, Let elders who will well be considered worthy of double honor for those who labor and preach or, in te or preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wage. Um, so, there is honor to be given to those who preach and teach. Um, and Scripture says it, it, they're worthy of a double honor. What they're doing is honorable. I mean, we pay Eric to be our lead pastor. Like, he, he makes a living doing that. He's worthy of that honor. He's worthy of those wages. He's worthy of what he receives, but also what we're going to receive um, in glory someday. The reward that is there. Yes, the teacher's have worked for that. But, again, to keep things in balance, they're not the source of your growth. They're not the source of the word. They're not the ones to be praised and esteemed by men. You know, that's the work of God. So, kind of a concluding statement. Um, <clears throat> preachers are God's servants working in the field he's given. Only God gives growth to maturity. Therefore, follow God and not man. And then I was thinking about this also as this morning we're going to take um, the Lord's Supper together. Um, not only does God give us growth, he gave us salvation. And that's the thing that we come together this morning and celebrate. Um, the salvation that God has given. That we were all sinners. We were all destined for the wrath of God. But because of his love and mercy, he sent his son and during the, the last supper that he had with the disciples said this is my body that's broken for you this is my blood that's shed for you this is the new covenant I'm making with you that because of your sinfulness 
you owe a debt to God and you can't pay it, but Christ paid it for us. And that's what we remember today. As we come, you know, we call this a remembrance and that's exactly what it is. It's not um, magical. This is not going to make you more godly. This is not going to lead you to maturity in Christ, right? Um, this is something we do out of remembrance, out of love, out of respect for what God has done. We do this and we think about the sacrifice that was necessary for us to have a future with the Lord and to not face his wrath, but to spend eternity with him. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to come and take this together. Um, so just kind of practically speaking, it's going to uh, be just like every other time we do it. Um, we'll pray and then we just ask you guys to just take a few moments to really take a look inward. Um, think about what the Lord has done. Think about who you are in the Lord. And, and again, as Paul warns, you don't want to take this in an unworthy manner. So, so take a look at yourself. If there's sin in your life, confess it. Um, because that's the whole point. The whole point is um, it's not that, hey, all, all the good, perfect people come take this and everybody else just stay in your seat. This is, man, we're all sinners. And I know the salvation of God. I know the work that Jesus has done, and I want to come celebrate it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus. And so we'll do that together. So uh, I think Katie's going to come and play a song. Um, during that song, you guys are welcome to come up. Uh, to take of this, to, to stay in your seat and pray, whatever you need to do. And then we'll close with another song. So um, anytime during these last two songs, just feel free to come up, um, take the Lord's Supper, and, and celebrate the work that Christ has done. So let's pray together. God, again, we're just so grateful, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy toward us. God, thank you for loving us that you loved us so much, God, that you were willing to send your son to this earth. God, to live the perfect life, to go to the cross, to shed his blood and die, to take on the wrath, God, that we deserve for our own sins. But Lord, he didn't stay dead. Lord, three days after when he's in the tomb, God, he, he arose and he's seated at your right hand in victory. God, giving us victory over death, giving us victory over sin. And Lord, instead of wrath, we now have the righteousness of Christ upon us. God, giving us the hope of a future resurrection, giving us a hope, God, of an eternity with you. So Lord, we thank you. God, help us to take an honest look inward. God, at our own lives, at our own sinfulness, and to confess that before you. As we come and we celebrate the work that you did on the cross. God, I pray that this time is honoring to you. Then God, again, we just pray for growth. God, help us to be obedient to your word. God, where we fall short, change our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.